All right. Thank you for that. Thank you for being in your place tonight. We're going to be looking at Second uh, Timothy uh, chapter number three, and, and, and in a few verses of chapter four, sometimes we're like, well, isn't there a chapter division there? Well, the, the chapter divisions are not inspired. How many of you know that? Now, I will say this. They are really, really helpful. And the man who did it several hundred years ago did a really great job. I think God used him to do that for our help. But uh, the subjects can, are tied together even though there's a, a different uh, chapter heading. And so I want us to look at these verses together tonight. Um, in anything, uh, the, the ability to listen is very, very important, especially when, it, when you're in a relationship. And um, some people, uh, they have a really hard time listening. Uh, it's called communication, right? If you are, uh, when we do marriage counseling, or not marriage counseling, but new, new um, um, what is it? Premarital counseling, okay? Uh, one of the things we talk about is the importance of communication. Being able to open and freely not just talk to one another, but also the ability to listen to one another. I have found it's easier to talk than it is to listen, right? And some people struggle with that. And, um, and some people have what I would call, in some instances, they have spiritual hearing disorders, right? Uh, it's, it's almost like uh, we have our deaf ministry here. They can't hear. They have whatever caused them. And when I think of that, I think of uh, what Helen Keller said. She goes, the only thing worse than being blind is having vision but not being able to see. And I think some people, we can hear, we have a hard time listening, right? And some of us have spiritual diseases. Several years ago, I think it was about three years ago, we were on vacation, and we went to, um, <clears throat> I think we, that's the year we went to South Dakota, and my ear started getting, it just felt like there was a soreness in there. And we were on vacation. I told my wife, I'm like, it just feels like, it, it wasn't, but it had a feeling like it was irritated, and it felt like it was wet. And she goes, there's a disease for that. It's called swimmer's ear. Now, I hadn't spent any time in the pool, so I don't know where it came from. I had to go to the doctor, and that's what the doctor said, to an ear I went to, a, I think, an ear, throat, no, nose, and throat doctor. I don't know how those three are together, but I guess they do go together. And he gave me some stuff. He goes, put that in your ear, and with a short time, it'll go away. And I put the stuff in there, and it was fine. It went away. But I know it was irritating when I, when I had that. Well, some people have, I believe, spiritual ear diseases. And I want us to see that tonight. Second Timothy is part of the three books we call the pastoral epistles. Of course, they're all scripture, but when they were originally written, they were written to, to uh, Titus and Timothy, who were young preachers and young uh, 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 pastors in the faith, and it deals with some things that would apply to the church, which applies to us in our regular life, as well as, as we look at, our, as our, as well as we look at our, our church life. And so Paul is writing to him. He is dealing with church-related issues as well as personal things that Timothy would need to understand as a preacher and as a pastor. And um, one of the things he hones in here in the verses we read is the importance of the Scripture. The importance of the Scripture in the life of Timothy as well as in the life of uh, him uh, as it relates to him as the pastor or the preacher in the church. 
uh, as we look at this by way of introduction, there are several truths he tells us that talk about the significance of, of Scripture. First of all, look at verse 14 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. He talks to them about uh, the imperative of Scripture. Look at verse number 14, if you will. He says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast heard them. Learn them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. In other words, he gives an imperative. He tells them something that's vitally important, and here it is. Continue. Keep going on. Make sure that the scriptures aren't just something uh, that you pick up on Sunday and you bring it to church. You take it. Make sure that it is the vital part of your life. And it's not just, a, this isn't Timothy was a young preacher. It's not just a phase of his life. And the, the, his, his, his success, I guess if you can use that word, as a preacher or minister would not be counted in where he was five years from then. Really, it'll be counted where he is when he gets to the end of his life. And the same is true of you and I. We must continue in the faith. We must understand that uh, the world changes, right? But truth is never transitioning. We hear that word a lot. You know, we're transition. No, truth doesn't transition. Truth is true. It, truth is truth in every generation. You ever hear this? Well, you you know that's kind of old-fashioned, but you know the world has changed, and I would agree. The world has changed. It has gotten worse. And maybe the reason it's gotten worse is because we have not taken that scripture and applied it to the world. What we want to do is we want to take the world and we want to apply that to the scripture. But he says, no, the truth doesn't change. It's okay. It's all good. Just continue in that truth and the things that you have learned. But he also mentions, before we move on to the next little thought, that uh, it, was start, it started for Timothy in his young life. He was fortunate enough as a youngster that he was taught the points of Scripture so that he could be what we call often that next generation. And I hope that that's important to us. It's important to us as a church. We want our young people that are here and our families to work and make them, the scripture so important that it not just is something for now that they grow up and they grow out of and they leave the church. It is something that is part of their life for the rest of their lives. We ought to be concerned about our young people. We ought to be concerned about our families. You say, well, pastor, they just face so much temptation. I've said it over and over and over. What our young people face is a lot worse than what we faced when we were younger. Now, we face sin, don't get me wrong, and we face some things, but the proliferation of it and, and the ease of access to the things which are wrong are just right there. We didn't have to face that stuff. We wanted to do wrong, we had to go places. We don't have to go anywhere now except to our cell phones, our iPads, or our computers. And so it's important that our young people get the word of God. It's important as families that that's important for us. Our goal shouldn't just be our children. Our goal ought to be our children. And then it transfers to the grandchildren so that they can transfer it to theirs. And Timothy continued through that godly influence. Look at verse 16. But he told them also, Timothy, the scriptures, there's an importance that comes to the scriptures. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. This isn't the word of man, it is the word of God. And is, what's that word? Profitable. 
It is profitable for all areas of our life. And he mentioned those areas for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, again, we like to lump these and say, you know, two are positive and two are negative. What we mean by negative is we don't like the things it's going to say. Right? If we get up and say, you know, God can comfort you in a bad time, we love that. But if we get up and say what you're doing is wrong, we don't love that. And we need both. Okay? We need to learn doctrine, the teaching of the word of God. We need reproof sometimes. We need to be corrected. And then sometimes we just need instruction. Hey, here's how you can live for God and do the right thing. It's, very, it's profitable in every area of our life. And then he also says in verse 17 that the man of God, and by inference, all of us as well, may be perfect. It's not just profitable, it's perfecting. You say, Pastor, does that mean I can be perfect? Absolutely not. In fact, you won't even be close. But you know what? We can be mature. And that's what the word perfect means. And so we're maturing in our faith. As we are growing, we're becoming the things that come our way that we have to deal with on a spiritual level. We can deal with those things a lot better because we're not novices in the faith. We're not children in the faith now. God's maturing us. And I hope that that's the goal of your life, that God, that you will be spiritually mature. By the way, we need spiritually mature individuals as new people that come in so we can encourage and strengthen and help them that they may be mature in the faith. But he also says in verse 17, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It also has provision for every area of our life. You say, what does thoroughly furnished, what does thoroughly furnished means? Uh, think of it as a house. You go to a house and you move in. Uh, you, you know, you may not be excited about it, but your wife's already figuring it out. Like, okay, here's where the couch is going to go and the end tables and this, that. And the other. You want all the furniture it needs so that it's ready to go and ready to be used. Well, God wants to thoroughly furnish us, provide us everything we need to live godly in this world. If we struggle with any area of our life spiritually, it's not because God has not provided the things we need. It's because maybe we haven't, take, we haven't uh, uh, made ourselves accessible to those things. And so scripture is everything. It's vitally important. But then he takes it a step further for Timothy. In chapter 4, he talks about the imparting of scripture. Timothy, you're going to take this scripture that's worked in your life, and as a pastor, you're going to share that with others. How does he do that? Verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Charge. Here's what you're supposed to do. Here's what I'm challenging you and I'm giving you uh, 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 almost like uh, your orders. Here's your orders, Timothy. Um, Who shall judge the quick and the dead and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom? Preach the word. Preach the word. He said, Timothy, you're supposed to take that same truth and you're supposed to preach that Word And I find it interesting. He tells him, uh, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Really, those four things are just about the exact same list that he gave that he said that the Bible was profitable before. And so Timothy's supposed to take that Bible that's profitable in those areas, and he's supposed to impart that and share that to the church. So here's the point. As he is reminded of the prominence of Scripture in the areas of those who would hear his preaching as well as in his personal life, he does remind him of a potential problem or a major problem that he will face as he seeks to take that scripture in his life and impart that to others. It's a problem that has existed from the very beginning of time. 
It started with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And the fact of the matter is, is it is something that it could affect every single one of us in this room tonight. So here's a question I thought of. If the scriptures can do all the things that we saw they can do, and all the things the Bible says it will do, then why doesn't it work in every single Christian's life? I mean, it's the scripture's there. It's the power. It has everything we need. It'll make us mature in the faith. It will give us everything we need to deal with every single issue in our life and be spiritually successful at it. So what's the problem? Why doesn't it work in some Christians' lives? Verse 3. For the time will come. Now again, this this has an end times connotation. And by the way, I'm pretty sure you already know we're there. We are in the end times. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching, what is that? Ears. It's an ear problem. Verse 4, and they shall turn away their ears. The problem isn't in the scripture that is written. The problem is not in the preaching as it is preached and as it is a truth from the scriptures. So what is our problem if it is not working in our life? It's an ear problem. You say, well, pastor, I'm listening to you right now. I read my Bible and I may not be listening to it, but I'm listening in. Why? So what is that all about? Again, there's a difference between hearing and listening. And if you're married, you know that difference. You hear your wife sometimes, but you don't listen. Your wife hears you sometimes, but she ain't listening. Okay, it's like, okay, it's just like, you know, sometimes it's, it's Charlie Brown's teacher. I gotcha. I have no clue what you just said, but I got what you were saying. We have to listen. That's intently. That's with a purpose. That's for the reason of understanding what is being said. And understand this before we move on. Listening when it comes to the scripture, is for the purpose of living. And if we don't understand it, and if we shut it out, and if we have ear issues, how in the world are we supposed to live it? We learned on Thursday night as we start this little series on on Proverbs that we're doing. Wisdom is the ability to, to take God's word and make it a part of my life. If we don't listen to it, how in the world will we ever apply it? Here are some of the spiritual hearing issues that I see in our lives that can come in our lives, and some people may have. First of all, number one, one of the diseases is a lack of endurance. Look at verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. What does the word endure mean? To be able to hold on to for the long haul. That's what endure means. Uh, people that endure, they, they're running a marathon. Why? I have no idea why someone would get up on, a, on any day of the week and say, you know what I want to do? I want to run 26 miles today. I get up, I don't even want to drive 26 miles. Are you with me? 26 miles? What are you talking about? You guys are nuts. Run 26 miles. But they have to endure. They have to hold on to what they got and keep going and, and push forward. Think of it like old age. As you get older, you lose some things a little bit. You don't hear as well as you used to hear, right? How many of you are hearing maybe is a little less than it used to be? 
Okay, same thing would be with, okay, this is one that plagues me. Uh, uh, oh, your vision. Okay, I, I never, ever, ever had to wear glasses until about 15 years ago. I'm looking at something, I'm like, man, are they making the font smaller nowadays? I can't read that anymore. And I went to the eye doctor. I never went to the eye doctor. And it's like, you know, it's a little bit off for reading. You can see distance, but you're reading. I said, well, what caused that? Well, you know what caused that. Not old age. Brother Ross. Uh, do you wear glasses now? Really? 2020, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, you're getting a little bit, you're, you're, you're aging. I like that word better than older, right? Let's use that word. That's like politically correct. I'm not getting older, I'm aging, all right? And uh, by the way, that offends me, right? And I was in a store one time and looked at this lady and I got my, the, the, the price she charged me. I said, man, that's not as much as it should have been. I looked and I looked down there and I was like, she's like, senior discount. I'm like, sister, what was that all about? And then I saw it was like eight bucks. I'm like, I'm good. You know what? I will do anything for save eight bucks. But you're getting a little older. And so no matter how hard you try, you're just naturally going to lose a little bit. But not spiritually speaking. We should keep going on for the Lord. Because these physical things are out of our control. These spiritual things are still well within our control. He says that, and by the way, when he's talking about that they will not endure, he's not talking about the fact they're getting older and it's naturally ebbing away. They're not holding on to it because they don't want to. Or they've allowed things into their life to cause them not to. That is why he told Timothy, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Listen, I hope as a Christian we don't have a, a spiritual ex, expiration date. You go to the store and you go shopping and, and you'll look at things and it's like, man, what's that? Ex expiration date, because you want to know, is it fresh, right? You want to make sure you got something that's like, hey, you know, it's already past the expiration date. Why? Because it's going to start going bad. It's going to start corrupting. It's going to start molding and all those different things. Well, as Christians, I think sometimes if we're not careful, we can give ourselves a spiritual expiration date. Because the scripture is not as important to us as we, as we, as we uh, go forward and we, we spend more time. When we do not endure, we usually lose a couple things that he mentions here that are very important. Look what he says. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. What does sound mean? Sound means uh, to be well and in good health. In other words, we'll change in our strength. Now, it's tied to the doctrine, but we no longer have the doctrine that is, that is right, that is healthy, that is good for us. And so we start buying into that, which isn't. We won't be spiritually healthy. It is important that you're, to understand that our spiritual strength is going to be connected to your scriptural beliefs. If you're not spiritual healthy, we might want to look at, if it's not something we're doing, like we're not reading our scripture, we're, we're missing a lot of church services, that type of thing. Could it be we've changed in some of our beliefs that might take us down a path that's not as healthy for us? We will not be as spiritually sound. We're only going to be as spiritually sound as our correct beliefs. But then he says it's sound doctrine. That's a change in our stand. And now what the, guy, the boys, uh, uh, the boys, uh, the singles, sang about tonight. We're going to stand here. We're not going to move off of what we believe. Okay? And if you believe the right things, look, you don't evolve to something that is weaker. 
And that's what a lot of people are doing. Many, much of what we believe, our doctrine, we learn from others. And let me just say this. We don't just blindly buy into it. We check it as we're in the scriptures. The two go together. But I have found when someone changes from solid doctrine, they're usually have changed to who they're, there's a change in who they're listening to. There's listening to someone who's giving them a weaker and, and, and really, in some cases, just flat out wrong doctrine. We've decided to listen to somebody else over what the scripture says. And that's never a good idea. Whenever someone leaves true teaching, they go to a false teacher. Many years ago, we had a lady in our church who was an older lady. And she was coming, and I noticed she missed a little bit, so I went by her house to visit her. And she, um, she, just, she said she was just a little bit, you know, I, I can't talk right now, but I'm going to another church and blah, blah. I'm like, all right. I didn't get to talk to her very much, and she's doing something. And then about a month later, I got a letter in the mail from her. And it said, I am no longer going to your church. In fact, I am renouncing everything I ever believed in your church. I'm renouncing your church. And I'm like, well, that's, that's, I mean, to go to a different church is one thing, but, like, that's pretty strong. She had got hooked up with a group of people that believed these weird things. Now, about six, seven, eight months later, she came back. I'm like, what was going on? She told me what they were teaching. She goes, I just got caught up in this stuff, and I it's just not true. And they made her write a letter renouncing us. Now, that's the wrong end of it. But that's because she got under the influence of the wrong individual who was teaching her some false doctrine. As I've mentioned before, when it comes to continuing, Christianity is not measured in years, it's measured in decades. And I hope we understand that. So that's the first one, a lack of endurance. Number two, also, here's another thing that affects our ears, the lust of the earth. Look at verse two again, uh, verse three again. It says, but after their own, what's the word? What does that simply mean? A lust means a desire for that which is forbidden. Now, if you have a desire for food, that's a good thing. Unless it's McDonald's, then that's not food. So there you go. But, uh, you know, if you have a desire, but, but when we let our fleshly desires take over, we're going to desire that which is forbidden by who? By God. Things that God very clearly says we should not be. And let me just say this. That is normally... Nine times out of ten, why someone changes what they believe. It has nothing to do with the Bible. At one of the te uh, teenagers years ago, was a girl who was in our youth group, and we lived over on Roxanne. I remember she came over one time. She, she was no longer a teenager. And she said, you know, you, this thing we believe, I just don't believe that anymore. That's not my conviction. I'm like, okay. And what scripture did you get that from? And she just gave me the blank stare. I said, look, I love you. I know you're very well. Let me just be honest with you. When's the last time you read your Bible? I'm like, you didn't get that from the scripture. This particular thing, I'm like, you changed because that's just what you want. Just be honest about it. Don't blame it on God. Don't tell me that's not your conviction because the Bible's very clear in that area. And I, I'm not usually that combative, but she brought it up first, and, and, and I knew her real well. And we had a good conversation. Here's a quote I've given over and over and over, but it's true. A man's morality will usually dictate his theology. Now think about that one. What does that mean? What we believe about God usually is driven by the lifestyle we want to live. 
That's exactly what that means. My desire, my desired lifestyle will determine what I believe about spirituality. So if I want to bring in a certain aspect of something I did or something I want to do, now if I'm going to put up this charade or, or I want to clear my conscience of it, I'm going to try to, try to find a spiritual, out, you know, spiritual loophole, at least for my mind, that makes it okay to do. Look, if you got saved later in life, and I know a lot of us did here, uh, uh, if you got saved later in, life, later in life, I didn't come into Christianity with the right kind of lifestyle. And so as I learned things, I decided to make some changes because I was going to let the scriptures dictate and drive my lifestyle and not the things I had, done, I had wanted like before. And so the, 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 the doctrine changed the lifestyle. But what happens sometimes after we've been in Christianity for a while, we start to maybe get a little cold on that path to, to a lack of endurance. What we do is we try to change so, because our lifestyle now wants to go against the Scripture. I would just have more respect for someone that says, I know God says it's wrong, but that's just what I want to do. At least if you're honest, maybe there's help to get cha a change in that. But we don't let our desires determine how I want to live. You can tell those who have been infected with this here's the disease sometimes. Sometimes they're critical of what they used to believe, the church they used to attend, and the people they used to be close to. I'm just telling you. I, I, this is not my first rodeo. They, they, they're, they, and look, I get it. If you don't want to live for God, if a person doesn't want to live for God, that's their choice. But what happens, this is human nature. We have to blame somebody, right? So, well, you know, the church I used to go to, uh, you know, they were blah, blah, blah. Okay, go to a different church. Well, you know, the, the, the things we used to do and all that stuff. No, 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 no. Let's just be real honest here. It has nothing to do with the church. And by the way, let's be very careful. I've heard people, wow, I was spiritually traumatized by my last church. Like, what did they do? Take you in a room and beat you over the head? And by the way, I will say this. I know some people that have had some things done in other churches, and it's like, that would traumatize me too. Get away from that. Christianity's not bad. That was bad. Are you with me? I'm not condoning any of that stuff. But it's just what they mean by, what they, a lot of times what they mean by that is the preaching was kind of pointed sometimes. And the preaching kind of said, hey, I think we ought to live up to what the Bible says. That's, there's nothing traumatizing about that. Do you expect your children to live by a certain code of ethics and morality? Are they traumatized? No, it's called child rearing. It's called training them for the right things so that when they grow up, their life's not a train wreck. Well, now I'm experienced grace. By the way, when someone says that in the context of criticism, what they are saying is, and they may not even understand... They have no idea what grace is. Well, I can just do whatever I want. Bang. That's lust. That's not grace. We got to be very careful. God wants to, and you know, and I understand. It's, it's the day of the internet critic. People are critical of every single thing. And I'm not even talking about spiritual everything. You know, I'm for plants. I hate plants. I think they'll all die. Okay. It's like everybody comes out of the woodwork, you know, uh, and they got to give you their opinion. But be careful of those who are critical. 
We have these little accounts, and they're critical of certain churches, and they're going to jump on our style of church because we actually believe the Bible. But you know, they never tell you what church they go to. And, and they don't, they don't, they, 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 you know, they kind of hide behind what they're doing. Be very careful about that. You know what you do? Just no one cares. Why can't you just go do your thing and leave us alone? We're not, I'm not going to go on someone, hey, you're, you know, why are you doing this? None of my business. It's not my purpose for social media. Not my purpose in life. Do what you do, and if it works for you, which I don't think it will, but that's, that's my opinion. But we have to be critical and tear other people down. Be very careful about that. They don't want you to see what really is going on in their life. Someone's critical of someone. The other, you know, hey, your, your church does blah, blah, blah. And then their little picture is a picture of them with a can of, a can of beer. Don't, don't tell me how spiritual you are if you're drinking alcohol. I, I don't want to hear it. You don't even know. You can't even follow Proverbs. Uh, you know, I know, I know, I know. Go, go do what you want to do. Leave us alone. We'll leave you alone and see how that works out. The bottom line is this, and I'm getting here. The scripture helps us to change our desires to conform to what God wants us to desire. That's the key. You're a new Christian. You walk into a church. You start reading your Bible. You're going to naturally say to all of it, wow, that's wonderful. Look, I hated vegetables when I grew up. If you would, two words that would have horrified me, salad bar. But I'm not doing that, okay? I'm not eating salad. Uh, when I got a hamburger, I didn't want lettuce or tomato on it. It's like, that's, that's of the devil. I mean, you know. And as I got older, I went to Bible college, and, and you know, they actually had a salad bar. We could choose a salad bar. And I'm kind of like, you know what? That, that, I got into that. You know what happened? My appetite changed. I didn't say, well, you know, I don't like salad. You better not have that in there. I'm allergic to tomatoes. I know people are allergic to peanuts. Um, but, but it's like, I'm, not, I, I, I'm like, you know what? As I started to eat it, I'm like, you know what? And then after I had salad, I'm like, hey, it makes sandwiches take, taste better. It makes hamburgers really good. Except for McDonald's. There's nothing you could do to change those things. But my appetite changed. As I came in, I allowed God to work on me, and the spiritual things I had zero appetite for, I thought were crazy. All of a sudden, I'm like, wow, I like that. I didn't want my, God's word to change to my desires. I changed my desires to what God desired for me. It worked so much better. Next, number three, another problem in our listening, and I'm going to start hurrying here, is a love of educators. Verse 3, they shall heap to themselves teachers. Heap means to accumulate, to learn from teachers. I want to learn from everybody, and I'm not against learning, okay? I don't even think you need teachers anymore. You can figure out how to build a bomb if you go to, like, YouTube. You can learn everything on there. Like, how do you, how do you fix that? I got a car one time. I didn't know how to open the gas, the gas gate. The gas, I go to get gas, and I'm like, it, it, it was a charger, I'm like, where's the button for this dumb thing? I'm like, I'm not walking home. I'm like, how do I figure this out? The, the, the salesman didn't show it to me when I bought the car. Like, you know what I did? YouTube. And in, in the door, little thing, there's a little button. I'm like, pop, opened up. Didn't learn anything from you. But anyhow, teacher, you learn from anybody. Everybody is learning from somebody, though. And if we're learning from the wrong people in the wrong places... We're not going to listen to the right people at the right places. 
We have to be very careful. We have this love and this culture of getting things, getting truths from the wrong places. When, our, when the scripture is not the number one source of truth in our life, we will substitute it for something else. That's just how it works. So we need to be very careful where we get our truth from. Very careful. I mentioned social media. You know, not everything that people say is true. And I'm not even talking about negative stuff. I'm just talking about life, right? Many, many years ago, in the early days of the internet, there was this old commercial, and the guy comes on, he says something, I believe this, something ridiculous. The guy goes, why do you believe that? He goes, it was on the internet. Well, that doesn't make it true, right? We need truth. Be careful who we're listening to. We, we, most of us were being discipled by talk shows, and game shows, and talk hosts. Look, someone wants to talk about, you know, something, some subject, you name it. But why do they always have to branch to other subjects that have nothing to do with that? That's when I shut them out. That's one of the problems with our government today. They don't even teach math anymore. And if they do, they throw in garbage. And, and by the way, be very, very careful about that stuff. We're, 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 we're reading books and listening to newscasts, and we're listening to people, and our education system, which is absolutely a sewer. It's an absolute sewer. And I wouldn't trust my kid to an education system that is based on feelings and not on facts. And I'm not for, you know, I, well, you're going to make people feel bad. You know, here comes a little boy, and he says, I think I'm a girl. You don't want to make him feel bad. Really? I went to, uh, sometimes my daughter teaches, I think she's four years old, and I went to, I, I'll, I'll stop by their class. Hey, how are you guys doing? I'll ask some questions. And I went, I went through earlier this year, and I'm like, okay, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, Allison said, I want to be, be a mommy. That's a good one. Uh, Hunter said, I want to be a police officer. Wonder where we got that. His dad, okay. Um, I asked Ace, it's one of my favorite. I asked, Ace, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, I'm going to be a pterodactyl. <laughs> I'm like, that's a boy. Uh, little Raul, last year I asked him, you want to be, I want to be a monster truck. <laughs> now, now let's backtrack here. I want to show you how ignorant our school system is, John. Well, if that same four-year-old boy was in a public school and said, I want to be a girl, they're going to start transitioning him. You know what, Ace? I'm going to help him transition to a pterodactyl. <laughs> I'm bringing the feathers. You know, Raul, I'm going to get you some wheels. You're going to be a monster truck. Can we just agree? That's idiotic. So it is when they, they start putting dresses on little boys. Was that Coco Melon that did that? Wouldn't watch it. Say, where are my kids going to learn ABCs? I have no idea. What is wrong with us? And then our school system tells us we're uneducated. Why don't we follow the science? Listen, anybody teaching science that would say that a boy can be a girl just by saying so, they're not scientific. Why would I listen to them? I'm not doing it. It's not true. And then they, anyhow, I'm, I'm getting off on here and I'm getting irritated. And I want to feel really, really, really good. It's ridiculous. Uh, a couple years ago, my wife and I, we were in, up at the pastor's conference. We had a day, so we went to the little uh, Apple store in the Silicon Valley. I had to use the restroom. I went down to the restroom. I'll be real sensitive here. 
I walked in, and there was a little box on the wall that had a product that no man would ever use. I'll leave it at that. You say, I don't understand. Ask your mom. You know, well, I believe men could get pregnant. I can't help you. But, you know, we understand that's ignorant, but our children are being duped. They're being duped. And not only that stuff, we just got to be careful what we allow. And then, uh, let me hurry. Number four, there's a longing for ease. Verse three, again, having itching ears. Itching means exactly what it says. Scratching to, to, for a, a pleasant feeling, right? When you have an itch, what do you want? You want to scratch it so you don't feel it anymore. It's like, man, and you know where they always are? I don't even understand how this works. They're always in the middle of the back where your hand doesn't fit. And you know, like, I mean, I'll do it, and then you get up against the wall, uh, 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 you know? Like, sometimes I'll try to get a pencil, like, I'm going to get you. You're not getting away with this, right? You're trying to soothe the itch. That's what we're doing. We only want to hear things that are pleasant. That's what we want. That's all we want to hear is pleasant. So you go in, and well, I listened to this preacher on the radio. His voice was so soothing. I know. Okay, maybe that's just how he talks. But Brother Panay, we're bringing that into our churches now. Hey, how's everybody today? And it's like, you know, God's just really awesome. He is. Can we just talk normally? Right? Men don't talk like that. You know, hey, man, it's just like, no, no, stop. Stop lisping. Let's just be ourselves. Well, you know, I, I heard something one time, and that just really went against the grain. I hear it all the time. I get it. I, it should go against our grain sometimes. Now, if you're perfect, then it won't. But isn't God trying to perfect us? Aren't you trying to perfect your children, raise them to be mature? So what do you do? Sometimes it's like they do something and say, hey, hey, stop, stop, time out. We don't do that. What, do you hate them? No. It's like, don't do that. That's not the thing to do. We do this instead. But we, we don't want to hear it. We never want to be, we never want to be challenged about maybe a false lifestyle or a false thing in our life. We don't want to be challenged on some type of false thought that comes to our mind. Maybe it's a false belief that, belief that we had. When I walked into church, I had a lot of false things I had to deal with. And I accepted the truth. And we just really don't want to be convicted. That's the bottom line. And some people just don't want to be, just don't want to be committed. They just don't. We, 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 we're okay with stuff that's, you know, what do they say, non-controversial. And that's okay if you're, if you're having Thanksgiving with your family and they want to argue about something. Don't be controversial. Just go, go have more turkey while they're arguing. But when it comes to things that are true in the church, sometimes we have to mention some things. You know, it, when our country was founded and all that was going on and things were coming up, the people in those days, you know where they went to to find out the truth about what was going on? They'd go to church. Because we had a generation of, it didn't even matter what church preachers, that like, here's the truth from the scripture about that. Here's what we need to understand. But now we're trying to hide that. And then there's a loss of edification. Look at verse 4. And they shall turn away their ears. To turn away means to separate from. I, I just, I'm not going that direction. From the truth. What builds us up? God's truth. What makes us uh, better as Christians and better as individuals? The truth. 
And so if we're not careful, we'll get to the place to where our, if our lifestyle starts to get out of control and we start to head farther down the wrong road, we get to the point where like, instead of hearing the truth, which may be convicting us, we decide we just don't want to hear it anymore, and so we turn away from it, right? The best way not to hear something is to get away from the sound. And so we'll do that. I just don't want to hear the truth anymore, and I, I want to move on, and I want to have my own life. And so we lose that which would strengthen us. We lose that which would encourage us and that which would protect us. And then lastly, there's a life of exchange. Look at verse 4. And shall be turned, we turn away from the truth, and we turn towards fables. The word fables literally means a story or something that is fictional, that it is not factual, right? You can, read a, you can read a book, right? They have two, fiction and nonfiction. Nonfiction means it's based on actual, uh, fiction is just, it's just a story. It's not true. It has no substance behind, it, behind us. Uh, what happens here, we're exchanging the truth for that which is not completely true. Parts of it may be true. And we get ourselves into trouble. Let me say this and we'll be done. We, you, we, when a person is a Christian, and I, I, I did this in my life, we have a principle that we, we, we would live by. It's called the principle of replacement. And so as I came in, there were some things in my life, music, whatever, I listened to, was a part of my, and, and I realized it was not godly, it was not edifying, it was not drawing me far, closer to God. In fact, it was trying to draw, drive me farther away from God, and so I put that away. But the principle of replacement says, well, wait a minute. Why not, why are you going to get rid of the bad? Why not bring in some good? So I started listening to good Christian music. I replaced it. I had some friends that when I was around them, they did not talk about Jesus. They did not talk about what they learned in their Bible. They didn't want to go to church. They wanted to do other things. And I had to, I brought some of them to church. Some got saved, whatever. But I had to like, hey, I got to distance myself. I can't be around them because what they do are things I don't want to do. But what I had to do, I had to replace them with some good godly friends that would push me in the right direction. Isn't that true? Like, if you're on a diet, I hate to cuss in church. I'm so sorry. Um, it's still January, though. How are the resolutions going? Uh, you know, you got to get away from that which is evil and bad, McDonald's. And you go for that which is healthy and good. You know, biscuits and gravy, something like that. Replacement. That's true from the negative too, right? Sometimes if I get away from the things that are good, if I'm not careful, I'm going to replace them with things that aren't very good. And that's what happened to them. They didn't have the truth, and so what happened is they replaced it with something that is wrong. What is the point tonight? The point tonight is this. The scriptures are supposed to be everything in our life. You read that again, meditate on those scriptures. There's so many good things that the scriptures do for us, but here's the problem. We've got to be willing to listen. Not just here, we need to be able to listen. Understanding that we listen so that we may live. So are there th some things tonight blocking that? Are there some things that are keeping us from really getting into the word? Maybe there's some areas of our life and it's kind of, in a sense, blocking. We need to clear those out so that we can go forward. Let's stand together tonight. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being so attentive. I do appreciate that. Let's down and bow our head and close our eyes and let's think about this for a minute. Maybe we've acquired 
through neglect or whatever, we've acquired some hindrances to hearing. Maybe there's something that has come into our our lives. Maybe there's something we've been sloppy about. I don't know what it is. Maybe we've just been uh, apathetic, you know. We just, we hear it so much and, you know, it's like, I, I get it, I get it. And we're so used to it, we no longer allow it to touch our hearts and to touch our lives. But is there anything keeping you from listening to God? What is keeping you from hearing? By the way, you know, the good thing about being a Christian, having the Spirit of God indwell in us, you know what happens? He always points it out to us like, hey, hey, Steve, deal with that. Deal with that. Maybe you're here tonight and, I don't know, maybe you feel your heart getting a little cold. Maybe you feel like your relationship to the Word of God isn't what it should be. And typically that's because we've quit listening. Here's a couple that's married. They start to have issues. It's like, they just, we're not understanding each other. And I just feel like we're growing apart. Well, the first thing that always starts it is communication. There's, there's no talking. There's no listening. There's no understanding. And then it rift grows. Same is true spiritually. Nothing different. Piano's going to play. If God spoke to you tonight, why don't you come? I love that verse in Psalm 119. David said, Open thou mine eyes, that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. Imagine that. God, uh, David prayed, Lord, when I get into your law, I want you to open my eyes. What does it say? The phrase in the early part that was given to the churches. Right? Hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Spirit-filled listening. 